putting your leg up onto your couch and holding that hamstring stretch for 30 seconds, then I say no, right? No. Don't hold that prolonged stretch before your run because guess what? Your muscles aren't going to be holding a lengthened state while you're running. You're listening to the Running PTs Podcast, an audio experience that inspires runners of all kinds to train and run smarter. We are Dr. Neil Gintu and Dr. Vicki Seckley, doctors of physical therapy, and we're sitting down to talk about all things running to help keep you moving mile after mile. On today's episode, we're going to go over myths and fallacies that are often overheard in and around running circles. From the topic of flat footers running, arthritis development in sport, should runners stretch beforehand to whether barefoot or minimal running is ideal. So without further ado, here's our take on them. All right, so the first one that I commonly do hear is, should people with flat feet or those who overpronate even run? Mm. What is your take? Yeah, um, this is a huge one. I hear this all the time. And the answer is, Yes. <laughs> you can run. You can do it. I think that the number one, you know, pet peeve that I have is people this is the classic thing, is people go into, you know, your regular running shoe store, they're looking for a pair of shoes. And mm-hmm. like, oh, I was told that I pronate too much, so now I'm in this shoe. And, you know, I think that people have to realize like a certain amount of pronation and really when we say pronation, it's kind of like when your foot kind of falls inwards. Um, yeah, a certain amount of pronation is necessary when you run. So if you're getting someone who is looking at your gate, your running gate, and they're saying that you pronate, you should be like, yes, I do pronate. The problem is when, you know, when it's a little bit, you know, too much pronation. And sometimes it's hard to really see that, especially if someone's just looking at your at you running on a treadmill, they're not taking any kind of video analysis. They're looking at you with their kind of blind eye or naked eye, I guess is the way to say it. Um, Mm -hmm. Really hard to tell what is a healthy and what's not a healthy amount of pronation. And even when we get into, you know, people who might be pronating a little bit too much, that still doesn't mean you can't run. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so even like, even if you're overpronate, there's lots of things that we can do for that. I don't know if you've heard differently, Neil, about the pronate issue. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I do have a ton of clients who have come to me and, and from a running store or a shoe store mm-hmm. and have said that, yeah, I got, I had an analysis and they said I pronate too much. Yeah. So they're seeing a lot of pronation on both sides, but that could just be the normal for that person. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. pronation alone doesn't lead to increased running-related injuries. Exactly. I think they even found research that said that there was no cause between pronation and running injuries. And I just want to let that sort of sink in for yeah. people out there who have discounted running simply <laughs> because they pronate more. Like, you can run. Definitely go out, out there. 100%. And I think, yeah, at the end of the day, there's just a ton of factors to look into, such as what's the integrity of your tissues in that area? What's the athlete's motivation or how do they identify themselves within that sport? Mm-hmm. Um, then to completely rule them out from running because they pronate. Absolutely. I think too, what, what I hear a lot of the time is, okay, so if I pronate um, or if I over pronate, should I get orthotics? Yeah, what, that's what, big. I want to hear your take on, on kind of the orthotic 
issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what do you yeah. think about orthotics? I definitely think that there are times where you have to adapt something to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those cases, I think that's when something is, someone is symptomatic or there is a clear uh, clinical presentation. Right. But oftentimes it's similar to putting crutches on something that doesn't need it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I think that, you know, if, if someone's coming in with acute pain and yes, you've done, you actually have a full assessment done on you. So you're not just given a random orthotic and told to wear it. <laughs> Someone is actually looking at your foot barefoot, not just in shoes and not when you're on a treadmill and not, you know, actually actively looking at your foot and seeing what it's like, not just when you're running, but also when you're resting, um, things like that. I think there is a time that orthotics can be helpful, um, mm-hmm. but it should always be looked at as kind of a temporary solution, right? I don't, I don't know right. if I ever kind of want like because I get the I get this all the time. You know, someone will come with me, come to me, and say, you know, I've been in, in this orthotic for years, and guess what? They're coming in, so clearly they're having pain, they're having issues. So has it really solved anything? You know, I think it, as if you are receiving an orthotic or if you've been in orthotics for a long time. I think it's time to start thinking about, you know, how am I going to start to build that stability and that strength around my foot so that maybe my foot can actually do the work and not just rely on an orthotic. But I also, yeah. think, you know, there are, you know, this is a touchy subject and I think there, there, it should be taken as like a case by case type mm-hmm. of, type of uh, deal. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of, I, I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. I definitely like that mindset to it. And like, yeah, as you said, there are specific cases where you have to just go back and look at your orthotic. Oftentimes, people have had orthotics for years and haven't gotten it checked out again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. it could have changed, you know. Yeah. Your foot changes a ton, and I think on that same note, it's like, should you get this? Should you be should you be buying a shoe that's like really a stability? The words are stability and motion control <laughs> and like all of these shoes, like we could, I mean, you and I could have a whole episode on shoes, which mm-hmm. probably should, <laughs> but in terms of that, it's like, you know, I think it, it goes back to what we said earlier. If you're having someone look at your running analysis with their naked eye, they haven't taken a single video and they're not really necessarily trained to do so. It's time to maybe start thinking about, um, okay, how do I get a, a proper analysis done? And, and seeing what actually what shoe might work for me. Because maybe it, maybe it is a stability shoe. Maybe it is most yeah. well, Maybe you mm-hmm. are, you know, have no control at your foot level. But then there are a lot of other ways to kind of improve that. And it does not mean that you shouldn't be running. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Just run. <laughs> definitely for sure. <laughs> now, the other myth that's commonly heard or thrown out there is running is just straight up bad bad for your knees, bad for your joints, yeah. causes arthritis. Oh, this, this, really gets, this one gets me. I mean, this one really gets me fired up because, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're doing it wrong, <laughs> <laughs> if you aren't putting in the work to keep yourself a healthy runner, then yeah, running might be, you know, causing some of your injuries, most of your injuries if you've been running. But here's the deal is it is not too late to change that. You Mm -hmm. can absolutely make a change on your training methods um, and and really kind of hone in on the fact that running is not the reason you're getting injured. It's because you're not putting in the right amount of work 
to keep yourself healthy when you're running. Does that, am I making sense there? Is that too harsh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. Yeah. One analogy is like, if you're putting on the wrong tires for a car, obviously the car is going to break down. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. definitely look into, look into changing what the running is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that, you know, a, 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 the whole statement of running is bad for your knees is actually wrong. I think there's a ton of research and yeah. I mean, don't quote me right now because I don't have the articles in front of me, but I know there, there has been research done on, you know, runners who are 85, 90 years old who have the exact same, if not maybe even better um, yep. MRIs that, that look at their knee and their hip joint than someone who is of their age who is not a runner. Um, and I think you also have to consider the, the actual benefits of running, especially into to your late years um, on cardiovascular health. Um, that's a really important issue um, in, in, in our society, actually, is mm-hmm. people who are just really, I think it's worse for your joints to, to be, to not move, right? Right. So I think that that's a, that's a huge consideration. Um, I think just saying, you know, oh, I can't run because, because running's going to hurt my knees. Um, no, it's not that simple. It really isn't. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's so many systemic benefits to running. Totally. Um, other than people thinking it's just going to affect their knees. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in terms of, and and there are runners who end up getting a lot of knee pain, and or maybe people who have knee pain to begin with, who mm-hmm. are saying, "Oh, I have knee pain. Obviously, I can't run." To to that, I say, you know, find someone who can help you run because. Mm-hmm can be done. I promise you it can be done. And especially if you're motivated and it's something that you feel like you might enjoy, it's worth it to seek out those options because the benefits of, of running and running properly, I think outweigh, um, the, the, what we hear is the, you know, the bad things about running. I definitely agree. So there you have it. Yeah. Despite your age, you can <laughs> run. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the next topic we have is, should you stretch before you run? Or do you have to stretch before you run? Yeah. Uh, great, great question. Um, what do we consider stretching? You know? Yeah. I, can, I think there's definitely two different um two different components of this. And one is really, you know, stat, what we think of as stretching, static stretching, Mm -hmm. right? Putting your leg up onto your couch and holding that hamstring stretch for 30 seconds. You know, if if that's what we're thinking of a stretch, then I say no, right? No. Right. I agree. Hold that prolonged stretch before your run, because guess what? Your muscles aren't going to be holding a lengthened state while you're running. They're not going to be doing that. So why are you doing that before, you know? So yep. yeah, on that note, you can, I'm, I'm sure I know where you're going with this. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. And on the other end of that is the dynamic stretching and moving through that range. And in terms of, I guess, research or just uh, literature out there, I don't think there's, there is still a ton of debate on whether static stretching helps performance, right. but a lot of the consensus is that you should be more moving dynamically into it or doing something that resembles what you're about to do so that you don't just jump into it. And before running, I like to look at that whole like ramp protocol. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where you 
first you're raising your internal system, your body temperature, your heart rate, respiratory rate, blood flow, and then you're activating and you're mobilizing. And this is more or less where the dynamic movement starts to come into play, where you're focusing on that mobility prep for when you're about to move your joints and your the rest of your body through those motions. Yeah. And then eventually that pot- potentiation or being more specific to what running eventually looks like and then easing it into that where you're yeah. starting off with like marches into skipping into even like a light jog. Exactly. I love that. I think there are so many benefits of, of, of really doing that and prepping your prepping your body for what you're about to do. And I think there's a really, really, you know, good opportunity here to actually also work on, you know, not just uh, also running form, you know, if mm-hmm. let's, let's think about it this way. If you're, you know, sitting at your desk all day, let's say five or six hours of sitting, and then you just pop right up and you go for a run, <laughs> right? That, that's not really, that, how, how do you expect your body to do the right thing when you're running, you know, get, get, go through that range of motion and be able to move the way you want it to move without being super stiff. And I think the dynamic warm of what Neil was talking about is a really great opportunity to make sure that your form is good. You know, and, mm-hmm. that, and that's really preventing injuries and that's helping you become a better, more efficient runner. And, and I think that there's just so many benefits of doing that. And I feel like it's a really under you, underutilized um, uh, tactic in order to improve your running. Yeah. And yeah. being based in New York, I'm sure, Vicky, you see a ton of desk workers. Oh, yeah. People who <laughs> constantly sit, who constantly sat throughout their entire day, even throughout their entire week. And then on the weekends, they decide to go for a run. Yeah. And I, and I want to hear what your take is on sort of what you give them. Yeah. For me, I often just let them start with just walking. Yeah. Like get out there, yep. have your entire body uh, unwound and just loosen up totally. and just start with walking, something simple. I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm completely agree. I think it's the same, same kind of idea that you said in terms of ramping the whole system up too, is like, you mm-hmm. know, start with a small walk, maybe then do a little bit of like an exaggerated running motion, you know, yeah. high march, butt kicks, things like that. Get your, get your whole um, muscular system to, you know, to work the way you want it to before you just jump up and start running. Right. And easing into that. And exactly. I think that's a perfect way to start out with a a simple walk and then Mm -hmm. in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I also get a lot of uh, clients who are just like, oh, what if I just don't have the time? What would you recommend? (laughs) Make it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. It's going to take a lot more time to rehab yourself from an injury than it will Mm -hmm. to spend this, you know, and we're not asking for minutes we're asking for five minutes you know i don't think it has to be longer than five minutes of a, of a nice dynamic warm-up i think that's sufficient enough to to get your to get you moving properly mm-hmm. yeah yeah i would even say that for people who are not running competitively yeah just take the beginning of your run lightly exactly yeah. that's it <laughs> yeah. yeah right don't go in, pull into sprint mode <laughs> yeah. yeah i agree <laughs> That's awesome. So on the last line that we have here is, is barefoot running the best? This is a huge topic right now. I love (laughs) the barefoot running topic. Oh, it's amazing. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I feel like it it has also, you know, stemmed from a couple of years ago. First, it was all, you know, it was all about the, um, the book that came out. Um, 
God, why is it slipping from my mind? Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was all about, you know, barefoot running and how it, 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 it improves our, you know, running efficiency, running economy, running form, everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then now we're kind of in, we saw this stage of, oh, like a shoe, like the Hoka, like we have this mm-hmm. ability shoe. And, you know, I don't think that either of those options are necessarily the best option. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, yeah, I, I've heard this many times in the past as well. Yeah. And I, I still don't have a good take on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my, my take on it is um, it depends. You know, it depends on what your gait pattern looks like. It depends on, honestly, it depends on how much work you're willing to put in in the background. Mm-hmm. If there are a lot of benefits of barefoot running, you know, going back to that's really your natural state, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's really where you can kind of utilize that the most uh, effective power, the most effective efficiency when running um, in terms of barefoot. However, you know, the way our society is right now, we're, we're in shoes all the time. Yeah. We're not that's what really, I was about to say. Yeah. We're not really this type, you know, especially in Manhattan, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to step out the outside of my apartment <laughs> without shoes on. So how are we going to expect to run with very limited amount of um, support necessary? Mm-hmm. I don't know if support's the right word, but. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I hear I hear this argument pretty often too, where people argue that minimal running is the best simply because that's how we evolved as a species. Yeah. But then one of my mentors, one of his arguments, uh, was that sure we might have evolved as this type of species, you know, going barefoot, but nowadays we're we're on pavement and concrete. Right. And we're not running on ground or dirt as we used to. Right. Maybe we've adapted to that with our shoe wear. Exactly. And if you're lucky enough, maybe to like live out in Colorado where you can just be on a dirt road (laughs) all day when you're running, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think that's honestly, that's like my goal in life is to, is to be able to do that every day. Mm -hmm. The fact is that that's not a reality for the majority of us. So I think that we have to kind of make compromises with that. Um, That being said, I think there's a lot of different types of footwear out there these days, Um, Mm -hmm. not necessarily minimalist shoes, but there's a lot of different shoes that are kind of, you know, not giving you so much much support that your foot literally does not no work. Um, but there's mm-hmm. a good medium. And I think really the balance that I find for myself really when I go out there is I'm in a shoe that um, gives me support from the concrete, um, mm-hmm. but not so much that it takes away from the amount of work that I want my foot doing. Now, that being said, you, I also have to couple it with a lot of strengthening exercises and to keep mm-hmm. my, my foot and ankle, my joints healthy. Um, it takes work, right? But mm-hmm. um, I think there's a benefit to that versus just picking the, the biggest, most stable shoe around and expecting that to, to kind of get you point from point A to point B. Right. The shoe is a tool, mm-hmm. but it's not the motor. Exactly. Yeah. So you're the one controlling everything. Right. Focus on the lowest hanging fruit. Right. Control all the movement outside of it, and you should be set. Exactly. I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. I feel like we should after this episode, this episode, some sometime <laughs> soon talk all about shoes because we could probably go off on this topic. But if <laughs> you know, if you ever have a question about this um, specifically, you can always shoot us um, a message on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Train Smart Run Strong. Um, and Neil at Dr. Neil Gintu 
And that's all we have for today. Let us know what you guys think, as we would definitely love to spark conversations. Mm -hmm. um, if you have any burning, running myths or fallacy or running related topics that you want us to discuss in future segments, send us a message. 